Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews. How are you all? I am very well. We had a bit of a trauma last night. Mothgate, I think we could call it. Well, in the morning, um, my youngest had called me into his room and asked me if I could uh, remove a moth that had been there he thought all night but he wasn't sure and I laughed and I said it's a tiny little thing and honestly it was so small just sleeping quietly on the wall so I thought I'll gather it up with my hands lift it out to the window and off we go Um, and as I was I was reassuring my son that there was nothing to worry about it's all very harmless and that he could do it next time as I advanced on this tiny moth it then seemed to unravel its wings like I don't know some sort of incredible origami and it's it was like we had a pterodactyl in the room I have never in my life seen a moth so big and of course it was flying around and I couldn't get it so I might have uh, quickly evacuated the room shut the door actually no first of all I opened the windows even wider then shut the door and just said oh it'll be gone soon And of course, when we went in later, no sign of this huge animal. It wasn't. I know moths aren't animals, but this was so big. This was not normal. I expected um, David Attenborough to come out of the wardrobe narrating the whole scene. Anyway, so I said, no, it's all gone. It's absolutely fine. And it was. And then that night, just as I was going off to sleep, lovely, lovely sleep, mum, came the shout. And of course, the moth had decided to come back to see us which was lovely. And so then, very late at night, in the dark, trying to stumble around and be very brave. My son thought I was being very brave. Well, inside, I was so scared. It was unnatural, the size of this beast. Um, There are mammoths, smaller, I think we could say. Anyway, suffice to say, uh, I managed to get it out of the room, shut the windows, and I don't think I'm ever opening windows ever again because I don't want another one of those things coming in the house. I don't know. Have you had anything like that? Is it just us? What is going on? Very strange. Anyway, so that was that was our excitement. Um, now I've got some wonderful books to talk to you about, and I've also got the most amazing author interview. I'm so lucky I to be able to interview these incredible authors 
and it's a stunner today, I have to tell you. Um, but first, let's talk about our lovely Facebook group. Um, if you're not on the group yet, why not? Come along, say hello. If you look on Facebook for the Quick Book Review podcast group, you'll find us and it's lovely. You'll be very welcome. We're talking about what we're reading. There's been a discussion about audiobooks, all sorts of things. So at the moment, Rachel is reading After the End by Claire McIntosh. Gosh, that was a good book. I mean, Claire, I think, always writes great books, but that was a very different one to the norm. Um, and very thought provoking. So she's reading that. Uh, Jan's reading Sweet Francaise by um, Irene Nemiskrovsky. That, now that is a, a good book. Harrowing again um, and uh, just a, a captivating story. Quite a hard read, quite a technical read, I would say, but a really good book. Um, Joanne's reading The Blood is Still by Douglas Skelton. I need to start reading his books. Why haven't I done that? In fact, I'm going to put a big cross there. That's on my to-do list now. That's going to happen. Um, Lynn's reading A Dark Matter by Doug Donston. Oh, love love that book. Um, Sally's reading Street Cat Named Bob by James Bowen. I haven't read that one. Um, but uh, yeah, she's really enjoying that. Steph's reading or rereading The Girl with a Dragon Tattoo by Stieg Larsson. I read the first one in that series, but for some reason, well, not for some reason, I think it's quite obvious, but it was just too scary for me. Did not like that one at all. No, no, thank you very much. Um, and Laura has just finished uh, The Last Act of Love by Cathy uh, Rensenbrink. And apparently that was very harrowing. I haven't read that one. You see, there are some books I have yet to read. Um, so that's all very exciting. But that's the lovely Facebook group. Um, and you know you can get hold of me there. You can get hold of me on Instagram, Twitter. You can email me at quickbookreviews at outlook.com. The other big news is that I have more bookshelves. I don't know if you've seen any of the photos. It's very, very exciting because, yes, I've got my bookshelves downstairs, but then upstairs I had a couple of book trolleys. So I could wheel these book trolleys around and annoy everyone in my family. Well, it might have been the case that I acquired a few more books than you could really have contained in the book trolleys. So now I have eight shelves upstairs and I have organised them in beautiful colour order. You can count on me. But this time, sorry, too much information I know, but hey, uh, this time instead of it just the whole bookshelf, one continuous development of colour, each individual bookshelf has its own colour range. I must put some more photos up because it is very exciting. And I sit there um, on a, a work call, conference call, and I look across, I think, oh, no, need to alter that book. Oh, that book's not right there. That book's not right there. It's very, very pleasing. Although I think already, let's not tell my husband this, because he had such fun not putting up the other bookshelves, but I think already I need another set of bookshelves. So never mind anyway. It's all good fun. So, um... Let's get stuck into the books because there's a lot to talk to you about. So I mentioned we've got an amazing author on today and that will come at the end of, of my reviews. But it's Gillian McAllister. Oh, can you believe it? I mean, she's written some absolute stalkers. But this, stalkers? Stonkers, I think. Where's stonkers? Are... She's written some very good books. Let's say that. Her latest one is called How to Disappear. Um, it's just out now. And... Oh, I, I've always enjoyed her books and always thought she's a very good writer. But this, for me, was breaking new ground. It is 
phenomenal. And I know I'm raving about a lot of books at the moment, but that's just because there are some really, really top quality books. This is right up there. This this is a 10 out of 10, without doubt. Um, so let me read you the blurb about it and, and then I'll talk a bit more. But I don't want to go on too much because then we've got the chat with Gillian as well. Anyway, Lauren's daughter Zara witnessed a terrible crime. But speaking up comes with a price. And when Zara's identity is revealed online, it puts a target on her back. The only choice is to disappear. To keep Zara safe, Lauren must give up everything and everyone she loves, even her husband. There'll be no goodbyes. Their past will be rewritten. New names, new home, new lives. The rules are strict for a reason. They're being hunted. One mistake, a text, an Instagram like, could bring their old lives crashing into the new. They can never assume someone isn't watching, waiting. As Lauren will learn, disappearing is easy. Staying hidden is harder. Oh, I love this one. It's 450 pages. I'm going to repeat myself because I, I do say it when I'm talking to Gillian, but the ending of this book, the last sort of 25%, I had to pace about reading it because I was just so involved and so concerned about the characters. Um, now, witness um, protection is something that I thought I knew about. I thought I'd read books about. I thought I'd seen it in films. But clearly I haven't or not done in the right way because this was just a revelation. Um, so I think if it's a thriller. It's standalone. And it's not harrowing in terms of dead bodies being ripped apart, anything like that. Um, there is a crime in it. Uh, and and there are, there are threats, but it's and it's not lightweight. It's very hard. It's very hard to describe. But if you like a thriller, and even if some of them are too much for you, I think you're going to really enjoy this one because it's not about the physical so much. It's the mental. It's about what pressure um, put that that situation would put on a family and on the individual and how different people react. Oh, I just thought it was absolutely incredible. One of the top books this year, for sure. Really, really good. So that's How to Disappear by Gillian McAllister. And um, we'll come on to my chat with us soon. That's very exciting. Uh, now, the next book I want to tell you about is called Clap When You Land by Elizabeth Acevedo. Now, Elizabeth, if you've heard my podcast for a while, if you have, thank you. Well done. Gold star for sticking with me. Um, she wrote Poet X, which I absolutely loved. And I was very keen to read this one. The uh, similarities with Poet X and Clap When You Land is that they're both written in verse. So it's a whole story. I know, again, I've talked about this before. The book is one story. But instead of reading it in prose, it's all in verse. And for me, it makes reading a, a, a lot easier. First of all, it's quicker. So if you've got a big to be read pile, as I, as I have, you can get through it quite quickly. Because uh, and this is what makes it easier as well and more compelling, because the the parts of the story that you really need to know about, the actions that you really need to know about are there. But the the other issues, the other items are, are on the periphery. You don't they don't need to be contained in verse. Verse is very much to the point and very relevant. Um, and, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, I mean, another one that I've talked about again before is Sarah Crossan's uh, one. Um, that if you haven't read a verse book before, I would say one by Sarah Crossan, Poet X by Elizabeth 
Osvaldo and then have a look at Clap When You Land. It's very popular at the moment and it's a very interesting story. So the blurb for this is Camino lives for her father's visits to the Dominican Republic. But this year, on the day when his plane is supposed to land, Camino arrives at the airport to see crowds of crying people. In New York City, Yahara is called to the principal's office, where her mother is waiting to tell her that her father, her hero, has died in a plane crash. Separated by distance and Papa's secrets, the two sisters are forced to face a new reality in which their lives are forever altered. Now Camino and Yahara are both left to grapple with their grief, their newfound love for one another and what it will take to keep their dreams alive. So you've got these two girls living in different places who share a father. Um, both are, are uh, allegedly kept secret from each other and he spends some of the year with one daughter um, in her home and the other part of the year with the other daughter and tries to keep them separate. But of course, when he's killed in this plane crash, he can't control that situation anymore. So you've got these components. You've got it, the fact that it's written in verse. You've got the fact that it's a very interesting story. It's YA, so it's told more from a sort of a teenager's perspective. Um, and it's I just found it really interesting. A really, really good book. So that's Clap When You Land by Elizabeth Acevedo. It's out now in paperback. There we go. We're rattling through, but I've still got three more books to tell you about. So the next one, this was different. Now, this is called If I Had Your Face by Francis Char. And um, this book was unlike anything I have read for a long time. And what it made me realise is that, well, I suppose I like to think I read a variety of different books, but maybe I don't. And maybe I don't read enough different styles as well so it was um this was a bit like a sorbet in between meals it was like a refreshment a, a refreshing change uh and that sort of resets you again gosh where do i get all this from i don't know but honestly it, it that's what it reminded me of so uh, this is described as a glittering dark and unsettling debut novel about four young women struggling to survive in contemporary south korea if i had your face plunges us into a mesmerising world of contemporary soul, a place where plastic surgery is as routine as getting a haircut, where women compete for spots in secret room salons to entertain wealthy businessmen after hours, where K-pop stars are the object of all-consuming obsession and ruthless social hierarchies dictate your every move. Navigating this cutthroat city are four young women balancing on the razor edge of survival, Curie, an exquisitely beautiful woman whose hard-won status at an exclusive room salon is threatened by an impulsive mistake with a client. Her flatmate, Miho, an orphan who wins a scholarship to a prestigious art school in New York, where her life becomes tragically enmeshed with the super-wealthy offspring of the Korean elite. Wana, their neighbour, pregnant with a child that she and her husband have no idea how they will afford to raise in a fiercely competitive economy, an ara a hairstylist living down the hall whose infatuation with the fresh-faced K-pop star drives her to violent extremes. So this is 268 pages long. It's a lovely feel to this book. The covers are very thick and it's got a very nice feel, um, which, which always does help. So 
downside, I found this book hard to read because, first of all, I know nothing about living in contemporary South Korea. Shame on me. So it's good that I was reading it to find out a bit more. And because you keep moving between these four characters, I admit I got a bit confused about which one was which. So I had to keep going back, checking who who the person was in that, what their backstory was and, and going on. Um, I would definitely read more books when they're published by this author. She's certainly got a talent and a story to tell. It's made me think much more about reading fiction from different parts of the world and I just thought it was really intriguing if I had been asked to summarise what I thought life was like in that region um, I would not have listed that all the points that this book raises um, and the the real issues that it confronts so if you're looking for something that's um, a different fresh interesting informative but still fiction uh, then you might want to consider this if i had your face by francis char really good really different um the next one i'm talking about is something that i've seen on the bookshelves for a long time and why i hadn't got it before i don't know shame on me and this is called why i'm no longer talking to white people about race and it, the author is rennie edo lodge this book well first of all this book is now top of the book sales list um, and apparently it's the first book by a black person for so long to be top of the of the list. And frankly, that just makes me cross that it's taking all that's going on in the world um, to make a, a, a book like this go to the top. But then shame on me because it, it made me recent events have made me want to read more about it. And uh, that's why I got the book. And I am so glad i did there are sections of the book that i found helpful and interesting um but didn't add so much and there are sections that just completely changed the way i looked at everything um uh, the book begins to look at history um, the system what is white privilege there are parts of it that i've underlined folded sorry if you don't like people messing with the book but there's something that there are parts that I'm just going to refer back to again and again. It's given me vital details to talk to um, members of the family about. Uh, and, it, it, you know, as I say, shame on me for not picking this book up before. Um, and I don't want it to be a case of, you know, tokenism. Oh, gosh, I've just got this book, aren't I clever? Not at all. But I really think if you've been watching what's going on in the news and you want to understand more, you want to learn, as we all should, um, then then this is a, a, a really good book to consider. It's about 240 pages long, obviously nonfiction. Um, and it also includes a, a new chapter, Aftermath, um, because of all that, that's happening. And uh, yeah, I just found it very interesting in terms of how we are where we are and what we're going to do about it. Um, it it's just uh, essential for anyone who wants to understand race relations in, in Britain today. So there we go. Why I'm no longer talking to white people about race by Rennie Edo Lodge. Yeah, extraordinary book. That's staying on my bookshelves. I'm not lending that to anybody. Well, maybe I should, you see, now. Now I've said that. Oh, my goodness. You can tell I'm having one of those days. Do you know, I've not had chocolate for 24 hours. This is quite terrible. And the other thing, 
the other awful thing is that I'm going off tea. How can I go off tea? Maybe I've just got the wrong tea bags, um, but never mind. Anyway, last book I want to talk to you about is one that we're doing in book club. Um, it's by Nora Ephron and it's called I Feel Bad About My Neck and Other Thoughts on Being a Woman. I had never heard of this book when it was selected by somebody in book club. Let me see how many pages it is. Sorry, all this background noise. It's oh yeah, 200 pages long. I hadn't heard about it when I um, looked it up because it was um, we were all told, right, this is the book one person's chosen for us to read for the book club because we take it in turns every month. Somebody hosts and they get to choose what uh, what book we're going to do. Um, and when I read the blurb, I thought, well, gosh, this sounds an extraordinary book. So it's uh, nonfiction and it's a some tools that Nora Ephron has learnt along the way of her life. It's a sort of, I wish I'd been told this when I was young kind of book. Um, and uh, on the back, the, the points she, she makes, um, never marry a man you wouldn't want to be divorced from. If the shoe doesn't fit in the shoe store, it's never going to fit. When your children are teenagers, it's important to have a dog so that someone in the house is happy to see you. And anything you think is wrong with your body at the age of 35, you will be nostalgic for by the age of 45. So having read those points, I thought, oh, this is just going to be one of those books that, again, I'm going to carry around with me. I'm going to make notes. I was really disappointed with this one. I think, you know, OK, normally I'm not a fan of nonfiction, but some of the books I've read recently have been nonfiction and I've really enjoyed them. So I don't think I'm being nonfictionist. It might have been that I, having read those comments on the back, I thought this was going to be laugh a minute, you know, absolutely hilarious. And it just wasn't. For me, it wasn't. Um, if you're looking for something to get somebody who's read everything and is interested on uh, sort of a toolkit for surviving life, then this could be something. But it it wasn't for me. It didn't grip me. And maybe that's because I've got uh, another pile. <laughs> I have counted them. I'm not going to say how many are on my pile of books to read. We are talking three figures. Um, but maybe it's because I've got these really compelling books saying, read me, read me. And uh, and I've had to get through this one. But I'm really fascinated to talk to the book club and hear what other people think. So I'm sure others have, have enjoyed it. So I shall report back on that. So there we go. Those are the books. Shall I just rattle through them again? So we've got How to Disappear by Gillian McAllister. We have got Clap When You Land by Elizabeth Acevedo. We've got If I Had Your Face, Francis Char. Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race, Rennie Edo Lodge. And I Feel Bad About My Neck and Other Thoughts on Being a Woman by Nora Ephron. Um, now, I have had a couple of requests for some different podcast content. So I'm just throwing this open. If there's anything else you want me to cover, do let me know. The two things I've had recently is one, could I cover another book subscription box opening, which made me laugh because this is going back to the very early days of this podcast. But um, I'll do another one where I talk again about book subscription boxes. But basically, it's a box you can get every month with a surprise book and lots of goodies in. It's a bit like Christmas. And uh, I do remember a particular moment when I opened a candle and it had glitter in it and I was describing it to you all. And uh, yes, 
I let myself down. I was very, very excited about a candle that had glitter in. That's a statement on my life. So I may well do some more unboxing on the future podcast, but it takes a while for them to come through. I've requested a few, so we'll see. We'll see what happens on that. And I've also been asked, oh, I've been asked for one on my bookshelves to like a, a walkthrough of my bookshelves, um, which normally is easy to do on video, but I'm sure I can manage it. And as I say, I do have quite a few books to tell you about, all really good ones that need to be read and need to be discussed. So uh, I need to do that. Another one is the best books that I've read this year so far which is an interesting one. So instead of just looking at what's the best book I've read this week, which would have to be Gillian McAllister's, um, what what books are the best from this year? So lots of ideas. Let me know if you've got anything else you want covered. Um, and so now I need, ooh, drum roll, to introduce Gillian McAllister, who of course has written How to Disappear, but obviously there are other books that she's read, four other ones, and mustn't forget those. We've got Everything But The Truth, anything you do say, no further questions and the evidence against you. Now, I do have to admit we had some real sound issues with this recording. Um, initially, though, the Wi-Fi went for a second and then the builders next door to Gillian started up. I have done everything I can. I've, I think I've earned myself uh, an award in editing with this particular interview. I've done everything I can to try and reduce the impact of the banging in the background. Um, but Gillian is just such an incredible author that I, I, you know, I couldn't not show you this. And the builders, it sounds like they're going to be there for quite a long time. So just bear with it. Uh, Gillian's got such a, an amazing talent for writing. And there's so much to tell you about the background on this latest book and her writing and all sorts of things. I couldn't not do it. So just approach the interview with some understanding. And uh, I'm just really lucky that she uh, agreed to take part. Here we go. So the book, I mean, oh, oh, my goodness. I know I had to message you last night when I finished this book. And uh, yeah, as my Jamaican mother-in-law would say, you know, Lord have mercy. It's, a, it's a, book, <laughs> a book and a half. How did you get the idea for this gem? Oh, that's so kind. Um, I'm really glad you liked it. Mm. Um, so I listened to a podcast about witness protection um, on a podcast called Criminal, the effects of like starting anew and the natural peril that's kind of associated with being hunted and the reason you would go in in the first place um so it, the idea took a bit of massaging it initially actually the first incarnation was that Zara was a released offender released under a new identity um oh. so very different yeah kind of a um a sort of John Venables is that his name kind of situation yes. um and it didn't really work in the first draft because I think you really need to have a lot of sympathy and relatability to Zara to kind of be on board and it was quite a provocative subject I think which is best served maybe in a different book um so then mm. in the second draft I made her a witness um which you know witness protection is for those people primarily so um and that's where it came from and this um well not complicated family arrangement but a family arrangement that just moves the story on to another level as well I mean that that just added another yeah so in the um in the podcast I listened to they said that you 
in Witness Protection, you can take your wife, but not your mistress. And I just thought that was such an interesting, because it's like, you have to draw yeah. the line and everybody would draw that line in a different place. Like, can you take your sister, but you can't take her husband or, and I just yeah. thought actually a blended family would, like really I wanted to write a love story split across Witness Protection. And that was the way that I did that. Um, and that really the idea of the, the burner phones, um, so that's how my characters communicate. That is at the heart of the book for me. Uh, that was really where the first nugget of the idea came. Because it's so interesting in this day and age, witness protection must be so different to how it was 20, yeah. 30 years ago. And uh, I, I mean, I thought before I read this book, I thought I'd read books about witness protection and that I had a, a, a good idea. But this is it just shows it's completely new territory. I've not I've not come across this is not a, a similar book to anything. It's completely on its own, I think. Yeah, a lot of people have said that. I think it's the um I wanted to write about the immediacy of it. So like you get told you're gonna go into witness protection and then what actually happens? Like and how do you feel the next day, like your first day in witness protection? Like that was kind of what interested me. And the pace is something that I wanted to talk to you about because for this book, I mean, I literally had to stand up and pace about as I was reading oh, it, wow. particularly the last sort of quarter. Uh, how how do you keep that pace while making it in, entirely believable and, and relatable? Um, it's a good question. I think, I mean, it is my fifth novel and I think I have learned like you're a novice when you have your debut out, even though readers don't see it that way, but you are, you're like a junior doctor rather than a consultant yes. or whatever. Um, and I have paid a lot of attention to my Amazon reviews over the years that I've been published. And I have been learning to notice what thriller readers want. And when I read a really well-paced book, it's like, just as you begin to wonder about something, it's kind of served up to you. And that I think is good pace. So it's not like, oh, I need to get to the end so that I can find out. It's like you're being given a trail of breadcrumbs along the way. Yes. yes. Yeah. So that's, I tried to think, well, what would I want to happen now if I was reading it? And I do, I mean, I get sent virtually every thriller proof. So I do read a lot in that genre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know what, what's out there and, and what works for you as a reader as well as that. Yeah. As, I'm trying to learn writer. really, like all writers kind of, need to and it's some it's very tempting to make the experience about the writer but really it's about the reader and what they want for each turn so I try and I would very much like to write reams and reams about the characters but actually you've got to intersperse that because the reader just actually really wants action yeah yeah what's next what's going yeah, to happen totally yeah yes. yeah especially this day and age I think we do and crikey the, the book delivered I mean the reviews are all you know five stars it's that, mad that, it's mad but did you have you know as you say this is your fifth book did you have a gut feel that that this was something I mean they're all brilliant your books don't get me wrong but this one is just yeah I'm going on too much but it's very very good no you, no I'm <laughs> smiling because I'm very flattered <laughs> did you have did you have a gut feel that there was something special about about this yeah I did because I was actually I'd written a synopsis of a book where uh, a woman leaves her baby in the car and another woman steals the car and it's a two-hander about how oh, if you intend to steal a car what do you do if you actually commit kidnap but also 
the woman who shouldn't have left her baby in the car maybe um yeah. and I'd written that out and then I listened to this podcast well, about witness protection and I was like okay, I've never reneged on a book that my my US and UK publisher had approved um but I sat down in my living room with my dad and I said I just have to write this book about witness protection and he was like well you've got to send some emails then um so yeah I sort of already risked quite a lot to write it and um yeah I think as it's been reviewed I've been very pleasantly surprised by the because you 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 kind of know in your gut as an author but you don't really know um exactly how like I wouldn't have known what the most consistent criticism of it would be um like you just can't call that Mm. um and I think you can hope that it will be well reviewed but I've been really surprised by the sort of figure of the reviews they are like oh my god I had to review this now and like at least 10 people have said it's the best book they've ever read which is mad so I yeah you kind of know and you don't know all at once I think when you're you're like behind the scenes putting the show on and you never know how it will look from the front because you can never watch it yourself like because you created it yeah but this I mean it's got film written all over it blockbuster film you can (laughs) you know it's so visual when I was reading it I could see these characters and I could just imagine I mean if your phone hasn't been ringing yet it will be (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean I think it's um I think the witness protection scenario does lend itself to that because the characters are primarily isolated. Yes, it's easier apart. to tell. Yeah, that's it. And kind of, you know, Aidan wandering the streets of London is quite cinematic because he's mm. literally being hunted himself and he's trying to find his wife and child. Like, I think that is quite a cinematic picture. And it, that's really my my agent on the final draft. She said to me, can you make this more immersive? Um, and she said, like, weather and you know what people are wearing and and all of that stuff that I think Aidan just standing under an awning as it drips that's from her because it's like you notice the small details I think as well yes yes absolutely so would you say that in some ways this this book is as a result of the first four books you know it's because you've done the the groundwork and because it's different to those the first four. Yeah, it is different. It is different. I think, I mean, I think every author's canon is as a result of what's gone before. Yeah. Because you learn, I've learned lessons with each novel, and some of my novels, even the published ones, I would do differently now. Um, I think that's pretty quite it's a job, isn't it? And you do yeah. learn on the job. And you're um, your own critic as well. So it's fine. yeah, definitely. And I think in some way it's like it's not necessarily very healthy to be hard on yourself but I do think it's sort of necessary as a writer because you you're self-taught um so you have to use the things at your disposal which really is sort of feedback um but yeah I wanted to break away from like a lot of people think I write legal thrillers and I really wouldn't say that at all I think I write crime Mm. and crime is law they're quite intertwined of course um so yeah I wanted to break out of the courtroom and into kind of the world um and the the non-legal title sort of reflects that yes and a different look to the cover as well yeah it is a different look yeah I think I think there are swathes of readers who read women's fiction who would like my novels because they are actually about relationships and I think we're trying to sort of 
even out the audience somewhat so it's not just people that like hard-boiled kind of sequel thrillers it would be yes anyone really yeah yes because there is obviously it's it's a thriller but it is it's as you say it's about the relationships and and what's yeah what is going to happen you just just want to want to know mm. how it how it's going to end and as you say the journey along but I think it's fair to say that while some authors are the pantsers they go by the seat of their pants I think I'm not being wrong if I put you in the in the plotting yeah uh, process camp uh, uh, I mean if that's what gets you this book then <laughs> I'm all for for <laughs> plotting I mean crikey I I, I wrote one book once I did I wrote it and I thought well, that's all you have to do I wrote uh -huh. it by the seat of my pants and yes I mean your podcast is so interesting I should mention that as well the honest authors show oh thanks um I mean it it gives such insight into the industry you and Holly are so honest about everything <laughs> um and and it does make you realize it's hard work being a being a good writer <laughs> uh, yeah yeah it's like it is a hard job um, it's hard in different ways to other jobs. It's not physically demanding. It's not particularly time demanding either. Like, to be quite honest, I haven't actually done anything yet today. Um, <laughs> yes, but you're in between, aren't you, books? Well, I sort of am and I'm sort of not. I've just had um, edits from my agent on book six. Um, so I'm making my way through those. Um, so I should be working. <laughs> but it's one of those jobs where you're never really off either so I have ideas in the bath and walking the dog and falling asleep at night I have a notebook by my bed um so it it, it does require a lot of thought and a lot of sort of facing up to sometimes you know it isn't working and you really want it to be and you try to make it work in lots of different ways and sometimes like with my book with the stolen baby you just have to say I need to just give this one up to the drawer um and I think that's what's difficult about this job is that when Zara was a released offender, I had 40,000 words for draft and I'd planned it and everyone had approved it, but I still scrapped it um, because it was the right thing to do. And that's what's hard about it. It's like the U-turns. Yes, but presumably your team, you know, trust your judgment so that if you do have to make quite a change that... Yeah, they do. And actually they were like, that makes complete sense. But I think even if they thought it didn't, they do give me free reign because I think on paper if I said it's going to be about a man who infiltrates what is essentially a gang I think eyebrows might have been raised but yeah. it's like I do now have that they trust me to do it in a, a Gillian McAllister way which is sort of accessible and still quite female and emotional rather than what it might sound like which is kind of like almost a spy thriller <laughs> oh no it's so much more than that yeah so is book six an evolution from the style that you had with book five or, or does it yeah go, it is yeah. it's in the same way that uh how to disappear is analogous with gangs book six is analogous with um a sort of like an organic mafia <laughs> so it's about a family oh. who um bury a body together um and on holiday that they accidentally kill and it's about their kind of descent into criminality um, so it's it's quite similar to how to disappear in some ways, um, but it's about it's about their loyalty to each other and really how much they will risk to keep a secret for someone they love. Well, that sounds brilliant. Um... I'm glad. I'm um, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's different. Uh, it's got six big twists, 
in throughout um which was really intellectually taxing for me but I wanted to do one of those books where you continually sort of upend what the reader thinks is happening um so that's quite different to how to disappear which is quite a straight shot actually um so yeah I suppose I feel like it's twisting but it's just maybe slightly changing the angle as you go along rather than complete change yeah I think how to disappear is sort of think just when you think things can't get worse they do um whereas with book six it's more like oh I've made this assumption and it was actually incorrect um I didn't I thought something else was going on but it's this um I hope anyway we'll see (laughs) no it's going to be a huge success it it already is so uh yeah it's just wonderful how to disappear by Gillian McAllister thank you very much thank you well, I think that's everything. My goodness, we've covered a lot. Amazing author interviews, some amazing books. And I know I say this every time, but I have got some fantastic books to talk to you about next week. Can't wait. So look after yourself and I'll be back again very soon. Take care now. Bye bye. You've been listening to the Quick Book Reviews podcast. That's enough books, said no one ever. See you again soon. 